Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Carrie Ann King is a firm believer in writing all that she loves, and she gleefully dabbles in fantasy, paranormal, magical realism, and women's fiction. To date, she has published 12 novels, and they've been translated into four different languages. She was born in Canada and now lives in the state of Washington. She is a retired nurse, a certified coach, a mental health counselor. She has done amazing things within our bookish world. She's been on podcasts, and she hosts the podcast called Taming the TBR. And when not absorbed in creative efforts, you'll find her hanging out with a real life Viking on her little piece of heaven in Washington state. Carrie, I could not be more honored and excited to have you on the Storyteller's Microphone. I am just so excited that I made it onto your show. So, you know, here we are. (laughs) And we were talking a little bit off air. Carrie and I have never really had a conversation before, but had I been a more sensitive host, I would not have gotten you up at this hour in Washington State when I'm on the East Coast of the United States. So a special thank you for being here. My absolute pleasure. I get up, you know, as I also told you, I get up at four or five. So it's just a question of being coherent (laughs) at eight o'clock in the morning for me, which is a little bit of a different story. I find it's one thing for my fingers to be coherent and a whole nother thing for my face and voice to be. Absolutely. (laughs) So one of the things I love talking about on the storytellers is the transformation that books have in our lives, but also women of a certain age. And I'm going to put you and me in that category. Yeah. The number of times we have translated our lives, transformed our lives, reinvented ourselves. So you're a fabulous example of that nurse, life coach, book coach. Tell me about the transformation and your journey to be so solidly placed in being an author right now. Oh, oh, it's, you know, it's funny because I just always had so many things I wanted to be and do. And then there was a time back when I was fairly newly married and my husband at the time looked at me one day and he said, what are you going to be when you grow up? (laughs) At which point, you know, I was nearly 30 probably at the time. And I said as many things as possible. And I actually really meant that. I love to explore and experience and I get bored really, honestly, I get bored really easy. So when I get bored, then I go do and learn something else, which, you know, writing uh, really benefits from that because I have so many different life experiences that I can pull into the books. And you, and you do, it's, it's amazing. But did you always want to be a writer? Was that one of the things? Yeah, that's the one thing that was a constant. I've been wanting to be a writer since I, I, I started writing poetry when I was in sixth grade. I was already a, totally a book addict. So, you know, that's a thing for me. Like I remember when the words first became words for me, when those letters turned into words and the words were on the page and they meant the stories that my mom used to read to me. That was pure magic for me from the very beginning. So, yeah, I wanted to write for a long time but it and I did write but it took a long time to actually get published and my first book didn't come out until uh, I don't know it was after I was 40 so that was a significant transition point for sure so I too am a lover of books from a very young age do you remember the first book that totally captivated you that made you just sit there and read all day oh that I read myself 
Oh no, you know I don't because there were there were as soon as I learned how to read, there were just so many. Probably a horse book of some kind. I, I was totally into horse books. My myself as well. Black Beauty. My brother <gasps> gave it to me for Christmas oh, Day. So I know I loved it, but Anna Sewell. Just... I sat there the entire Christmas Day. I don't even think I went to dinner, which is a big thing to if you're a young Italian girl in a big Italian family to just sit there. Like I was like the little match girl. I couldn't put my book down. So yeah. yes, a horse book did it for both Ab of us. Absolutely. So you've had a whole transition of experiences, but 12 books, that's a lot of books. How do you find time? And you also, let's be real clear, you are about to launch a book that I have not had a TBR of yet, but I would love to have an advanced copy called Improbably Yours. So it's gorgeous. I love the cover. I know very little about it. So share. <laughs> And probably yours was a lot of fun. And I know we talked, we're going to talk a little bit about genre bending a little bit in a few minutes. So really in, um, in probably yours, I kind of brought together both of my author selves a little bit more than I have been lately, which was really fun for me. So this is a book that is set on a fictional island a lot of atmosphere in an old house that is got ravens and maybe it's a little bit haunted and our main character is a young woman who up until her 30th birthday has done everything everybody wanted her to do which is a, a life that is going to you know she's supposed to marry this very handsome high-powered guy and have a high-powered job and be very successful there are things she never really wanted so on her 30th birthday just as she's about to lock in the deal and say yes to a very public marriage proposal she's granted a reprieve in the form of a really weird sort of bequest from her deceased grandmother who sends her off to this fictional well not fictional for her but for me to this island to do a little treasure hunt and also bury her grandmother's ashes um, when she finds the right place. So that's how it's all set up. And there's romance and there's a lot of mystery and just kind of uh, some psychological drama, of course, because I always write that. So kind of all of the things that I really love in a book got to come together in Improbably Yours. And so her life is very much life-changing, a life-changing journey as yours has been. Absolutely. Absolutely. And most of my characters, especially at least as Carrie Ann King, and probably in all my books, honestly, my, my characters are all on a growth journey. Those are that's one of my favorite arcs in a in a book is the story of somebody who thinks they're going one direction, but it's not really what they're wanting necessarily out of life. It's not their best self. It's not their best life. And then something happens to set them on a different course. And they go off to discover who they really are and who they really want to be. And I love that aspect of your work. I try to capture some of that in mine. And that's very much women's fiction, right? Mm -hmm. That's our, our goal in women's fiction to have these transformation of characters. And right. sometimes the journey that the character thinks they're on or is on is not a positive journey and the, the turns we take them are good. So let's let's talk for a bit about genre because you alluded to the fact that you have two author personas, at least. So <laughs> let's talk about when you're Carrie Ann King and when you're Carrie Schaefer and how those things come together and don't. Sure, so I started writing as Carrie Schaefer and the first books that I published were in really my first love after the horse books. 
I love fantasy, magic, fairy tales. Um, And so my very first books that I published was a trilogy called The Between. Um, And it's total fantasy. It's about a a woman who, again, she's on a growth journey, though, because I do that. I just always do that. Who is a doctor. She wants to be very grounded in the real world and discovers that really she is the last of the dream keepers. And it's her job to guard the doorway between dream and reality. So those were my first books that were published. And then as publishing careers go, mine kind of hit a little snag and we weren't um, having a lot of traction for a while. My agent said to me, why don't you try writing women's fiction? I think you might be really good at that. And I was like, what's women's fiction I actually said um and so then I got did some exploring and said sure I can do that so I wrote my first women's fiction uh it was called Closer Home and that got picked up but the condition of the publisher was that they wanted me to have a pen name because they felt my readers would be confused by the different genres. I personally don't think readers are that easily confused. And I've been very open about both of my identities because I have a lot of readers that will cross over and read both genres. But that's where Curie King came from because I needed a new name to get the book published. And so there we are. I love that your website makes it simple. It's just all things carry, I think. is Yeah, correct. I finally did that. I, I was maintaining two different websites for a long time. I was trying to do two different websites, different social media accounts. It's a lot of work. And also, again, I really think readers just don't need to have their hands held and that they can figure out, because I know y'all are smart, <laughs> that two different types of books can be written by the same person. So I just combined it all into one, called it All Things Carry, and it's all there in one place now. I I couldn't agree with you more. Readers are very, very smart. Very smart. And we want to attract smart readers because of of the nuances (laughs) of of how we write. So how did you initially get attracted to, because this is something that I'm always interested in, um, the whole whimsical fantasy paranormal pieces why was that your go-to? You know, I honestly, I don't know. It's really kind of funny because my mother, who was the person who read the books to me, taught me to read, um, was really a mentor in a lot of ways. She did not like anything that was fantasy at all. Um, but I sought it out as soon as I could find it. I was into King Arthur stories and the fairy tales. And then um, I was actually, because of my mom and a rather strict upbringing, actually. I came late to actual fantasy. I discovered C.S. Lewis when I was 18. A friend started giving the books to me and I read them all and immediately I was totally in. And then I discovered The Lord of the Rings and that was it for me. I, I remember that really clearly. I was actually in a band, um, not 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 a cool band, but a, a, a college um, orchestra type band. And I played the tuba, little known fact. But anyways, we were on a bus, we were going on tour, and there was a guy on the bus that was reading this little, not little, this big fat book called The Fellowship of the Rings. And I thought it looked interesting and I needed something to read because it was a bus ride. And I said, can I have that when you're done? And he said, yes. And I didn't surface again until I had completed the entire trilogy and that was totally it for me after that I was seeking out every fantasy novel I could get my hands on um I don't know why I love magic I guess I I shouldn't say I don't know why in life I'm always looking for little magical things synchronicities and the things that make you go whoa did that really happen I love that stuff 
And so I like to write it and I love it when I can actually bring a little bit of that into my women's fiction. Um, so it's grounded in reality, but there's this little bit of magic that gets to come in. I did that in other people's things. I've done it in probably yours as well. Yes. And other people's things was just, I love the whole premise of that where there was some delightful kleptomania. Am I allowed to say <laughs> It's not kleptomania because she doesn't keep the things. That's true. The things declare very strongly that they're not where they're supposed to be and they want to be moved. And it's Nicole's job to move them, which gets her in a whole lot of trouble on a pretty regular basis. It does indeed. Let's talk about the world of being an author, because you and I both know that the world is far beyond the books. It is far beyond the talking about your books. And you have created a company which is such a resource to authors called Author Genie. Will you share with us about that? Yeah, I love the title because it fits what you do and it's magical. And it's magical. Everything has to be a little bit magical. Author Genie came to me. I was looking for ways to... Um, I had quit my day job a couple of years ago because I had a book that did really well and supported me entirely for a couple of years, which is really nice. And that one is called, um, now I can't remember what it's called. That's really <laughs> terrible. I need to look up, my Viking made me put them all up on the walls. That's my cue. Um, Whisper me this. So I had quit my day job and I loved having quit my day job. And then the book sales were not quite what they had been. And I started thinking I might have to go back to work. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. What else could I do? And then I thought, you know, I know how to do all the things that authors don't have time for or don't want to learn how to do or just really don't like doing. I have learned how to do all that stuff. So why couldn't I just do a bunch of those things for other authors so they can get on with their writing? So I created a business and it took off beautifully right away for me. Um, called it Author Genie. Um, my tagline is, I know what you need almost before you do. Uh, the other one is make a wish. And... So that's what I do. And the, the upside of that is I have so much fun doing work behind the scenes with a bunch of fabulous authors. I get to collaborate with them and brainstorm and do creative stuff with them, hang out with them, know what's going on with their books before everybody else does. It's wonderful. And you're so much more than... Um for example, a concierge service, which is what I thought Author Genie was initially, that all the stuff I don't want to do as an author or as a radio show host, that I could say, oh, maybe Carrie Ann could do that. But you really are a coach and a cheerleader that and too. a developmental editor. And that's where I think the real partnership between you and other authors. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I love doing that, too. I love the coaching. And I, I sometimes this is one of my favorite things to do is to just somebody gets stuck and I get to read to the point where they got stuck. And then we get on a call and we have a conversation. And if I can brainstorm with somebody and help them get out of that stuck place, and then they go on and finish their book. That's awesome. I love that. The other thing I do as a coach is help people just get to their writing. If you're you know, having a hard time with that, um, feeling like your inner critic is getting way out of control and you're too perfectionistic or you're having a hard time getting to your writing for any reason, then that's another thing that I love doing is helping people sort of sidestep those obstacles and get back to the love of writing. 
That's that, that's a huge skill to have. And that goes into so much of your other background of being a nurse and being a mental health counselor. Yeah. So it really has come together for you. It has. Absolutely. And I also, again, I took a coach. I took a wonderful coaching class that's offered by this brilliantly creative woman named Jill Badonsky, uh, who that's what she does. She teaches creativity. And so I took a creativity coaching class from her. And that was absolutely uh, brilliant. I learned so much that I can't even begin to express. I owe her a huge uh, gratitude for all of that. So we're not done, but hold up and probably yours again, because I do love your cover. And it, it sounds like such a fabulous premise. Oh, it you does know. this fun thing with the green screen. <laughs> you can't see, you, like all the green parts go away. So you can't really. Oh, yeah, but you look great. So uh, with you are such a prolific author. Is there another one right behind it? Um, I am currently writing a fun little book. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the book I'm currently working on has a working title of Blink and You'll Miss It. And it's about um, somebody who's really quite against being happy has decided that um, that the worst thing that we do to ourselves to make ourselves miserable is to expect happiness. So um, this person gets <laughs> what is referred to in the book as an involuntary infusion of happiness comes this way. So I'm, I'm writing that. That's fun. I'm working on in my head, but not on paper yet, a sequel to other people's things. And I'm actually planning a series where Hawk and Nickel work in a private investigation service that uses her unique gift and just for fun, because life is short and why not, I'm writing a weird little paranormal women's mystery about a woman who discovers she's a genie. Um, so that's so, all fun. So lots more to come. Oh, yeah, absolutely. King. That's, we are not done, which is always my, that never is done. my mantra in life. We are never, ever done. Never done. So tell me about the Viking, your wonderful <laughs> Viking. And tell me about the Raven. Okay, so I do have a Viking, and um, we we met through online dating, believe it or not, and uh, yeah, we've been together for 15, 16, we've lived here for about 16 years now, I think. So um, <laughs> he is a Viking, and people wonder why he's Viking. He is large, can be blustery, has a very soft side, however, and um, is very supportive of everything that I do. So when I wrote Improbably Yours, there is a Viking in it, because, well, why not? But there are Vikings on the island, because there's a treasure hunt game that happens on the island that my main character goes to, um, that, that involves Viking treasure, and there is a man involved, too kind of is also a Viking and Ravens. My Viking has a Raven. Um, well, he doesn't have it. The Raven visits us when it feels like it. It's, it's giant. We think it must be really old. Ravens live to be 30 years old or so. And so they're this, so big. Oh they're yeah. So much bigger than people think they are. Yeah. They are when the, the, the really full size ones. So every year this Raven comes around and actually expects to be fed. Uh, the Viking takes food out and built a little platform for it out on the fence. It will very rarely let us see it actually come down and get the food. However, we've seen it a couple of times do that. It will fly overhead and let us know that it would like to be fed. And then we feed it and it waits till we go inside. And then it comes and grabs and, and runs, uh, runs, flies, <laughs> flies off. So the Viking takes this to the extent that he buys, you know, suet or whatever to make little balls for this thing. And at one, one year, 
he fed it all the chicken skin. I was really not happy because I love chicken skin, but he was pulling all the skin off the chicken and feeding it to the to the raven. So. Well, I don't know anybody else who has a Viking. So thank you for sharing that. And Carrie, thank you for absolutely everything that you shared with us today. Your books are amazing. The one that you've come, got coming out and probably yours is going to be amazing. And thanks for being a guest on the Storyteller Microphone. Thank you so much, Grace. And thank you for providing this um, place for readers and writers to, you know, talk to each other. My pleasure. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.